It's called a muster drill. Um, I, I don't know if it's used in any other scenario than than the only one I've ever heard it used in. Uh, a muster drill. We we went on our uh, first cruise years ago, and before we set sail that day, they came over the intercom of that cruise ship uh, talking about a mandatory muster drill. We were to go to a, a certain place on the ship, uh, a, a number that was assigned to us by by our stateroom, and and line up on that certain spot. And once we got there, they told us what would happen if the ship became like the Titanic. If we hit an iceberg in the Caribbean, uh, we assumed that wouldn't happen. But but if something happened, we had to to get off the the ship in a hurry. We were to grab our life jackets and go to the muster our muster station. And we were assured that those uh, those uh, lifeboats that were hanging there uh, were operational and we would all fit inside and, and everything would be good to go. Obviously, the only thing that flashed through my mind was the Titanic and, and uh, I was thankful I wasn't in steerage and, uh, and, and what I would do with that phrase, women and children first, uh, how I'd respond to that. But, but the reality is when we got to that muster drill, um, on our first cruise and every cruise after that had a similar muster drill. It became, it became real that we were, that we were going somewhere different. We were going out into the middle of the ocean. We were going out where it was deep and we need to be prepared for that. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. In fact, I tried to wreck my mind and I, I think this in, in uh, 20, almost 30 years of ministry, I don't think I've ever done this before. Um, this morning, we're, you're not going to hear me preach. You're going to hear a guy preach on the screen this morning. A few weeks ago after the IF gathering, uh, uh, Bree and Brittany sent a, a message through Rita that, hey, some Sunday we need to play this video. Um, almost happened on Easter Sunday, but uh, luckily uh, Johnny's father-in-law came through for me. And uh, uh, But they said, we got to play this video. Last Sunday after the, the sermon that I did, uh, Brittany came out and said, this would dovetail perfectly with what you had to say last week about stepping out of the boat. This one's, this one's, uh, entitled, uh, Anchor Living in the Deep. And I hope, uh, hope you enjoy the message that, uh, that this pastor brings. Okay. Y'all ready? All right. So I really do believe that I'm here on assignment with a bunch of energy, a bunch of passion, and with a really prophetic word for some people to let you know what God has been speaking to me. Every July, I go away to spend time with God and I just ask him, what are you saying to me? 2020 was a year, y'all. I don't know if you know it and I don't know if your eyebrows survived, but mine barely did. 2020 was a year from racial tension to to political unstress, to the churches being shut down, to personal things going on in your life, to some of y'all not being able to go shop at Target. Like there's been all kinds of stuff that has happened and what God wanted us to know as a church that he has not changed, that God is still the same. And as I begin to seek God, what do you want me to tell the church for the rest of 2021? He said, Michael, I want you to tell them one thing. That this is the season for everybody that believes in me to get anchored. This is the season where what you are connected to is greater than what's going on around you. Somebody shout at me in your home, right in this room. Somebody say, I'm anchored. 
Oh, y'all didn't even say it with your chest. Say it like you mean it, like you're yelling at your kids for not actually putting up their shoes. Somebody say, I'm anchored. See, one of the things that you have to understand is that if you are anchored, which all of us are, many of us are not anchored to the right thing. Some of us are anchored to things that make us feel better. Thank God for the last session that they helped us be able to walk through some of the things. But some of us are anchored to Netflix and Oreos. Some of us are anchored to a bad toxic relationship. Some of us are anchored to friends and groups of people who gossip about people. Some of us are anchored to posting a scripture on Instagram because it makes your aesthetic feel good, but not actually reading the word. Some of us are anchored to the wrong thing, and I'm challenging you to get anchored to the only thing that can sustain you. What I want to let you know is when God said that we needed to be anchored, I begin to think about that in the movie of my mind. And I realized that if you've ever been on a boat or you've ever seen an anchor before, an anchor is never needed in the shallow. When you need an anchor, an anchor is only needed in the deep. And I began to think about it, and God began to say to me, he said, Michael, it's time for my church, time for my daughters, time for my people to come out a little deeper, to get off of the little things that keep us petty and thinking about the, the what just advances us, but it's time for us to go deeper. Somebody say deeper. And I begin to look at this and God said, this is the year that we're not drifting. This is the year we're going deep because I want you to write this point down. It's not safer in the shallow. And many of us think it's safer in the shallow. Think about it. You've never seen an anchor in a swimming pool because it's too shallow for what God would want to do. And you would need an anchor. May I submit to you that the things that God wants to do in your life, even if you're a stay at home right mom right now, or you just opened up your Etsy shop, or you're trying to get your kids through college, it doesn't matter what God wants to do with you. He's got to do it in the deep. And that means that you have to stop being in control in the low level of living this Christian life. The only reason people stay in the shallow is for control. It's because I can feel the bottom. I know what's happening. But the thing about going to the ocean is that there's such an expanse out there that scientists can still not even identify all of the animals out there because it's so deep. May I submit to you today on this Saturday morning while I'm already starting to sweat that God wants you to do something in this earth and it cannot happen in the shallow. But I know you've committed to Christian kiddie pool Christianity. Oh, I know, I know you thought that as long as you were in control, it would be okay. But look at Luke chapter four, five, verse four. It says, stepping into the boats, Jesus asked Simon, like he's asking us to push out the boat into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now watch verse four. This is Jesus. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, like he's saying to us at if conference, now go out where it's deeper. God, I thought I was good serving at my children's ministry at the church. I thought I was good doing devotions with my kids. You own my boat. If I was Simon, I'd be like, you're on the boat. Like I serve you. I listen to worship. I, I do this. And God is asking all of us now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets. Another translation says, push out from the shore. And that's all I came to tell you today. Is there something God wants to do? In your life, that's going to make you have to divorce kiddie pool Christianity. Most of our Christian lives look like 
this kiddie pool. Oh yeah, you know it. This is our float of salvation. We're saved. Oh my goodness, I have all my toys of my favorite worship playlist. I have all the toys of my small groups and the cliques that don't allow other people in, but we all love God. And God says, what you look like right now and what you try to convince people to come to is this Christian pool Christianity. This thing where we're all... I'm chosen. I'm not forsaken. And we do this whole thing of this little kiddie pool and God saying it's not deep enough here. I can't use you in the way that other people can be immersed in my love at this low level. And what do we do? We get out of this Christian pool, the the kiddie pool Christianity, and we have proof now that we've been with God. Oh, you know I do my devotion. And God's saying, I want to drop an anchor in your life, but I can't drop an anchor in the shallow. I cannot use you if you don't let me get into those areas of insecurity that you keep masking with filters. I got to go deeper. And today, I just came to let you know, singing the song in the kiddie pool, spirit lead me where my, no, 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 no. That don't mean nothing in the shallow. It means something when you step out into the, somebody shot at me deep. And that's why you need an anchor. I got 12 minutes left. Y'all know that ain't enough time. But I'm going to tell you right now that an anchor is only needed in the deep. Hebrews 6.1. Oh, I feel this thing. And somebody's heart's crying out like David's heart in Psalms 42 when it says deep calls out to deep. Somebody, as I'm speaking right now, something on the inside of you is beginning to leap because you know where you've been and what God's been doing in your life and where you've been at. There's more that God is asking from you. There's more that he wants to do with your life. There's more that he is trying to show his grace and power through. But it's going to happen when we leave the shallow. And I know. It's uncomfortable. Well, I might drown, Pastor Mike. Well, well there's, there's people in the Bible that live their life in faith. And the whole thing about living your life in faith is that you have to be anchored to somebody who is stronger, greater, bigger, and outlasts your situation. And we have somebody. His name is, say it with me, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to understand that Jesus is the only one that's watched every empire come and every empire fall. Jesus is the only one that was there when you were at your lowest moment and he was clapping for you and cheering for you at your highest moment. Jesus is the only one that sees you with the depression that you're in right now and still calls you beautiful and still says that you're loved and never detoured his plan and his purpose for your life. But that means you got to go to the deep. Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to, say this cuss word with me, maturity. <laughs> I know that's a cuss word for you, a lot of y'all. But maturity is the next level of your leadership. The next level, the next phase of what God wants to do is going to come in maturity. That's why you got to leave the kiddie pool Christianity. Not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. See, so many of us are just trying to figure out the line. Is that a sin? Is this a sin? Oh, I I mean, I can do that on my birthday. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, your business right now. Well, it's only, it's only on the girls trip. 
And God said, can we leave the kiddie pool? Because there's a plan I have for you. And, and, and for some people, you're hearing me say this and you're like, yeah, I got to drop my anchor. I want to take it to another level. You need to write this point down. Drop it low. <laughs> See, some of y'all are dropping low for the wrong thing, but you need to go out to the deep and you need to drop it low. You need to allow God to take you to a place that you can no longer rely on your knowledge. You no longer can depend on your network. You no longer can trust in your connections. But you have to lead and lean your faith. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by. If you could see it, you wouldn't need God to do it. But you know you're in the deep when you need God to be with you in it. And even as I stand here in this hotel and I think about all that God has done in the if gathering, and some of you have been a part of it for many years, and in the faith that my sister and brother have had to step on this, this was not sure. They didn't know y'all was coming. They had no clue that we were going to translate a, a, a Bible today. Everything they've been doing in this conference has been in the deep. But look what God has done when somebody steps out from the shore and begins to say, here I am, God. You can use me however you want to use me. The truth is the depths of your life need the depths of his love. And you've been in too shallow of a water to be submerged by God's love. Oh, that's good. I like that right there. You've been in too shallow of water. Have you even spent any time long enough for him to affirm you and who he's created you to be? You've been in the shallow water. And God's saying, come out a little deeper. So just three things I need you to know as I go. And my time is counting down like a ticking time bomb that's about to go off. The first thing you need to know is you need an anchor. You need an anchor. Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teacher to equip his people for the works of service. I just want to let you know I'm not the minister here. You are. My whole job is to equip you for what God's called you to do. It says... It's so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and this knowledge of the son of God and become, uh oh, there's that cuss word again, mature, <laughs> attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Pay attention, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Seems like they need an anchor. And by the cunning craftiness of the people and their deceitful schemes. See, all I'm trying to tell you is in the deep, you're going to have to mature to walk past where you've walked so far. And the anti-anchor is immaturity. God's calling many of us out of the petty so that we can fulfill our purpose. Oh, you need to tweet that. He's calling you. Yes, your family has never supported you. Forgive them. He's calling you out of the petty. So that you can be in purpose. Yes, nobody looked at how you serve and how you love and how you've been faithful. And God says, but I see you come out of the petty so you can fulfill purpose. And this is why we have to understand this scripture in verse 19, Hebrews 6, 19. It says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, our mind, our will and our emotions. Ain't that where all our trauma starts in our mind? our will, and our emotions. And God says, I got hope for you. It's firm and secure. 
It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, he has a name, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become the high priest or our anchor forever in the order of Melchizedek. What you are anchored to is not about an intention, but it's all about the integrity. If I mount to something that can't hold me up, I end up falling again. And many of us, the pains of our life has been because we tried to connect to something our family name, it won't be able to hold you up when life hits you. The money, it won't be able to hold you up when life hits you. But Jesus will always be able to hold you when life hits you. You don't just need an anchor. Let me give you good news today. You have an anchor. Ah, I love the word of God because he doesn't just supply the problem. He always gives you the answer. And you have an anchor. Somebody say that out loud. I have an anchor. Yes, some people feel like they're in the deep floating and it's dark and the storms are coming. But God has sent me here to tell you that you have an anchor. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3, it says, Therefore, since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Y'all thought Will and Jada came up with entanglement. No, 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 no. It was the writers of Hebrews. He said, and let us run the race of perseverance marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on our anchor, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that is set before me and before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the father on the throne of God. Considered him our anchor who endured such opposition from sinners so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. But you may be in the middle of a crisis. The, the, the stimulus check didn't come in. Your stocks have fallen. Your husband is out of it because he doesn't know how to provide right now. You have felt so insecure because you have not been able to do the thing that brings you life. Your children are wayward right now. And God says, let me be your anchor. Let me be the one that you can connect to so you don't grow weary and lose heart. Jesus is our anchor. As I think about God saying, Michael, the word is anchored. The thing came to my mind is that I don't just need an anchor. And I'm thankful now because I have an anchor. But God is so good that he allows us to take part in a piece of what he has been to us. I need you to write this down. You are an anchor. There is somebody right now who's holding on with your encouragement. There's somebody right now that's sitting in a room because you called them, invited them to IF conference, and you had the best charcuterie board on the block. And so they came to your house, and what you don't know is that's the very thing that's going to save their life. You don't know that they've been thinking about suicide, that they've been in a relationship illegitimately, that they've been looking at things on websites that have been eroding them from the inside. And for some reason, they attach themselves to your Instagram page, to your website, to your kid's carpool. And now God has not made them drown because you're their anchor. I'm here to encourage you that you have a part to play in this thing, this beautiful story of redemption that God has for all of us. He doesn't just want to be the anchor, but some people need to connect to you before they connect to him. 
Because your relationship and your care will make you an anchor. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Be an anchor. Let nothing move you. And I came to encourage somebody who was about to get weary. I'm telling you, keep doing it. Stand firm. Don't quit now. It's almost there. You don't know what God's working out on your behalf right now. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that everything you're doing, all this mess you're going to have to clean up after this event, everything that is going to be thankless, God says your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I need an anchor. I have an anchor. His name is Jesus. I am an anchor for somebody else. And together, last point, we be the anchor. Now, I know that is not grammatically correct. And some of you are like, Susan, I don't, we be the anchor? I, I have no idea. Okay, but, but there's something like when you're on a team, when you look at the strength of the people that are standing around you, when I look at this room and I see Bianca and I see Matt and I see Jenny and I see Tony and I see Lisa, there is a strength that comes when we all lock arms together. And together we be the anchor. There is something that God is trying to raise up in the church, no matter who you voted for, no matter your economic class, no matter what side of town you grew up in, no matter how many zeros in the bank, if we lock arms together, we be the anchor. I'm too hype right now because I feel that God is allowing somebody to understand that you're not just a small part of what God wants to do but you are a vital part of what God wants to do why pastor Mike because the world needs an anchor right now the reason we gotta lock arms is because the entire world needs something to anchor to and we're trying to get them to Jesus but we can't even get together I saw this thing. I'm from Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And shout out to everybody from Transformation Church, Transformation Nation. I love you. Okay, so this is what I want to say to you. In Oklahoma, the only body of waters we have there are, are a couple of pond and lakes. Okay, so let's be very clear. I know some of y'all from the coast and y'all from Texas and y'all got big old lakes and y'all can put boats out there. But I had to go on missional research to figure out about an anchor because where I'm at, you don't just see anchors laying around. The thing that I discovered when I went to the lake, because for some reason y'all don't invite black people to the lake, but I'm now showing up to everybody's lake party from now on. Y'all gonna see me with my shirt off and everything. Anchor. Anyway, what I'm telling you is when I went out there, I saw something that I'd never seen before. They called them boat parties. And some of y'all have committed sins on these, but we're going to just keep that. <laughs> but what I saw was so funny. It was a bunch of boats and one boat would anchor. And then all the other boats would come and anchor to that boat. And it gave me a picture of what if gathering and what the church is supposed to look like. Yeah, we might be a different denomination, but do we anchor on Jesus? Can we connect to each other? And I, I got a picture. I want to show it to you right now. If y'all got that picture, could you put it up real quick? Th this is what I ended up seeing. It was all of these boats anchored together. And the whole purpose of these boats 
was because people who didn't know each other would anchor to each other and then they would go from boat to boat learning about each other, being able to connect with each other. That's what's happening at If Gathering. Do you get the picture right now? Being able to do business deals, learn about each other. And the goal was to get as many people as possible. You didn't know them before they pulled up. You had no idea their net worth or who they voted for. All you were trying to do was create a relationship so maybe you could have an impact on their life. All I'm telling you today is if we were joined together and put everything that the enemy has tried to use in the church and using our lives to divide and realize that all God's trying to do is be our anchor so that we can be an anchor for other people and together if we lock arms, we be the anchor. I think that the church would be able to make an impact that would change not just our generation, but the next one. Can I tell you why we need an anchor and his name is Jesus? Because <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> our anchor, isn't just to save you from the storm, but he will sustain you through the storm. Can I be, can I be honest with the people here at If Gathering? If you want me to be honest, put yes in the comments. Okay. I don't know if you did, but hopefully one of y'all did. Many people didn't know who I was, and many of you don't know who I am right now. Hello, my name is Michael. I'm black. Um, but, but there was a lot of people that didn't know who I was until maybe six months, a year ago. And God just started expanding our ministry. I wrote a number one New York Times bestseller called Relationship Goals. God started blowing up our church. And somebody asked me, how do you feel? What's, how does it feel to go from unknown to this? And I said, um... I'm really sober right now because you see what seems to be glory, but you really don't know the story. And God gave me and my wife this word of being anchored right before we went through the heaviest season of our life. We have, we have a son. We have three kids and my wife's pregnant right now and I'm done y'all. <laughs> it's over. I don't make enough money for that. But, um, but our, our son MJ, I think y'all have a picture of him. It's my boy. Um, right when everything blew up, we got a call the same week that my son was diagnosed with autism. And my son is five and a half years old right now and is still nonverbal. So people see platforms and stages and I see me and my wife crying and, and going to therapies every week and, and just hoping that he'll say mama and daddy. And I said, God, I'm a man of faith and I speak to your people and I do this. Why would you do this to me? Why would you allow this to happen? You're a good God. We pray for miracles. I have crazy faith. What is the problem? And I was looking for God to give me some type of miraculous moment. But as I've walked with Christ and he's become my anchor, I had this even if that rose up on the inside of me. Ain't that the theme of the conference? Even if God doesn't do this, I'm still going to serve you and I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to call you good even though it doesn't feel good and, and I'm reminded every night when he has insomnia and can't sleep and only will eat three things and I, I, need, to, I need to feel you. And God whispered these words to me. He said, I'm your anchor. And he said, I might not change it today, 
but I'll sustain you through it. And everybody praises God for being a deliverer. But what happens when the highest form of what he's going to do in your situation is sustain you through it? Is he still good? And I can stand here with every ounce of faith that I've always had and even more. And say God has not changed the storm. But he has sustained me through it. Today I just want to let you know I would have been lost out to sea without my anchor. And he's so close right now that he wants you to reach out to him. Would you just, if you feel comfortable, would you just lift your hands in the room and all over the world? I I just dare you right now to invite Jesus, the anchor, into your life. God, we need you. We need you. You made a plan for us to be anchored in you. You saw it all the way back at Calvary. And even if we look at the, 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 the shape of a... I hope you enjoyed uh, the message that it brought. Let me let me remind you of a, a verse that we looked at last week in Matthew 14. But Jesus immediately said to him, "Take courage, it is I. Not uh, don't be afraid, Lord. If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Do you notice that Jesus uh, or that Peter didn't ask Jesus that question earlier in the night when he put him in the boat and sent them out on the lake? He didn't. He didn't ask that question when they were in the shallow. Because it would have been no big deal. Just step out of the boat, wait across to where Jesus was. But, uh, but Peter asked that question, uh, when, when he was in the deep. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus told him to come. I, I don't know how this applies to you, this message. But, but he calls us to the deep. Calls us out of the, as as Michael said, the kiddie pool, uh, and calls us to the deep where we can anchor to Jesus, where it takes faith and trust to do so. Would you stand as our, our worship band leads us?